Welcome back to the Better Divorce Podcast. I am your host, Paulette Rigo, and I'm here to guide you through the storm of divorce into much calmer waters. So hold tight. Whether you're contemplating divorce in the thick of it or just rebuilding post-divorce, I've got you covered. Each episode, we'll tackle the tough topics, share resilient stories, and offer practical, helpful advice to help you navigate with confidence wisely. Remember, you're not alone. I've been there, and so have millions of others, and your brighter future awaits, I promise. Ready to turn a tough time into a time of growth? I know you are. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you find this content helpful, please share it with others who might benefit. Now, let's dive into today's topic. See you soon. I am hosting a retreat in Belize. Some of you may know, but I used to live there. And Belize is a melting pot of culture that carries over into the food, the music, and the fun. It is the best of both vibes from jungles to ground you and beaches to heal and soothe. I lived there for many years and go back and forth between there and Atlanta because I can't get enough. My co-host, Tiara, visited me and didn't want to leave either. No one does. This is paradise, folks. My co-host, Tiara, and I chatted about the perfect all-inclusive location for you ladies that are going through a pivot in your life and need to reset, renew, and rebuild, and we nailed it. We kick off with a three-day adventure in the luxurious eco-resort Kapal Tree in the southern Belize jungle, followed by three luxurious days on Thatch Cay Island, a private island over water, oceanfront oasis in the turquoise Caribbean along the Belize Barrier Reef. Whether you're going through or just coming out of a divorce, especially with a narcissist, a career change, or you just want to get back to the parts of you that you haven't seen in a while, we are talking to you. Make note, May 4th to the 10th, 2024, and start packing. Space is very limited on the private island and in the jungle. Be sure to act now. We have a passion for leading truly transformational healing events from heart-opening, accessible guided meditations to connection-based, life-changing tools and practices. We curate each moment with care and compassion to ensure every lady is taken care of from the initial registration to the final namaste. It's better in Belize. Hello and welcome back to the Better Divorce Podcast. Yes, it used to be called the Thriving in Chaos Project, but you're here. I'll only say that a few more times. But if you've been around for the last five years, you know who I am, Paulette Rigo. I am the credentialed private mediator behind the podcast and a certified divorce coach. I help couples mediate privately and I work with them individually so that they don't make mistakes. And I save them a lot of heartache, time, and money. 
So in today's episode, I want to introduce you to Victoria Killeroff. She's a CDFA, and you know what those are, Certified Divorce Financial Analyst, and a couple other acronyms, NCPM, she'll tell you all about that, a CDS, I'm a CDS too, Certified Divorce Specialist, and um, she was at a crossroads she could not stay married, but did not know how to leave. Raise your hand, everyone who can relate to that. That was me. I knew that I couldn't stay married in my heart, in my gut, in my mind, in my soul. My whole body knew that I couldn't stay married forever. I didn't know what the time was, but I didn't know what to do about it. In today's episode, we are going to explore that. So welcome to the podcast, Victoria. Thank you so much for having me, Paulette. Victoria happens to be one of my favorite names, so just wanted to let you know. So oh. let's start. Oh, you're welcome. We're gonna. I won't give you all the others that I love. Nicolette is my second favorite girl's name. That's my daughter's name, but she likes Nikki, and that's okay. Um, it was a little confusing though because we had a dog named Nikita. <laughs> I know you'd laugh because of the Russian background. So oh, I love Nikita. Yeah. I know Nikki. Nikki is a fun name. So. Victoria. So let's start in your story about this intuitive, visceral feeling in your body of like knowing that you couldn't stay married, but you didn't know what to do. What what does that feel like? Explain where you were in your life. Oh, it was horrible. I um, have always dealt with high levels of responsibility throughout my life. I was the only child to a Russian-American nuclear engineer. And Ooh. Uh, he was absolutely a phenomenal father, and he gave me all of these opportunities to follow in his business uh, shoes. And he was constantly putting me in positions where I was dealing with high levels of not necessarily hostile conflict, but I was dealing with competing ideas. And it was always fascinating to see how he took a fact-based approach to solving his scientific problems. Um, obviously when you're dealing in fields of nuclear engineering and, uh, that type of stuff, you have to deal with the realities of the operations. And this was something that he imparted upon me when I was, uh, really young, actually, um, my training began pretty much the moment I was born to take over, uh, his role in life. But, um, he really taught me the importance of becoming a numerical communicator when I was eight years old. Uh, I wanted a pony, like what little girl doesn't want a horse? And my dad thought this was a great opportunity to teach me how to do a life cycle cost analysis. And so um, my mom and I went around to all of the barns. I gathered information. I earned the nickname Noodle. And I went back home, I typed up my findings, and I realized that the horse was going to take up a lot of my time. And I was going to be able to divert all of the resources the family was spending on my ballet lessons, on the lacrosse, on the tennis, on the piano, on the flute. <laughs> all of the, those monies could then be put to the horse. And the horse was still going to cost a lot, but it wasn't going to be as expensive because we could switch the money around. Uh, and as I stood up there presenting my argument to my parents, I realized the more that I evoked my father's energy and focused on the facts instead of the emotions, I was actually getting them to do what I wanted. 
And I'm happy to, to let you guys know I got the horse. Uh, Buster was his name. And he was a great opportunity for me to really learn how to, um, I don't know, become a woman, I guess. It was a wonderful well, opportunity. I can't imagine waking up or being born, I, I forgive the analogy there, into a family with a, uh, what was his official position again? Well, so my dad um, was about 15 years older than my mom and was born in 1938. So he came up during um, World War II and was recruited by the CIA during um, his nuclear engineering degree at University of Michigan. So he bounced around all of these three-letter agencies for, gosh, I don't know how long, and then invented a type of train break <laughs> um, and moved to the private sector. And that's how uh, he ended up falling in love with my mom. Um, and then later how I was born. So, so nuclear engineering, right? Something, yeah. you know, something that 99% of the population doesn't know anything about, right? So here you are, this small little girl um, having this, um, you know, um, upbringing where it was just mathematical, 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 statistics, spreadsheets, you know, very fastidious, detail-oriented and presenting. I don't know how old you were when you made this formal presentation to your parents, but uh, I can't imagine that you were, you know, much older than seven or eight. Yeah. Something about that. And, and the fact that you won them over, you know, was a good foundation for that. So um, and, and yes, I know most little girls do want a pony or a horse. So um, I have a few little horse stories, but we'll save those for later. Yeah. So you have this career and you yourself am in a, in a marriage that feels mm -hmm. uncomfortable. Um, and, and how did you handle living? I'm going to call it a double life, right? That feeling of I've got to, you know, put on the happy yeah. face and then wear the mask and be the, the best mom and, and wife that you could possibly be um, at the time, you know, and just sort of, uh, you know, get through the day. And then inside of feeling that sense of uncomfortableness, because I know so many women that, and men even that can identify with that. How did you man manage it? How did you cope? It was really hard. Um, I... I, I like to call my former partner Voldemort. Um, he started to get really toxic. Um, I was with him between the time I was 20 and 30. And he really, uh, he was five years older than me and he was more wise to the world. And I was naive. And I continued to hold our ideals in my heart and he broke them. And I mean, with reckless abandon. And I realized as things were getting like worse and about when I was 25 um my dad suffered a stroke and I then was forced to deal with all of this and this is when I should have had him right next to me but instead Voldemort was living a truly a double life and um was cheating on me doing all sorts of bad things um and it was really hard for me to wrap my mind around and I didn't necessarily feel like I was living a double life, but I felt like he had stopped being a part of the marriage and he had started really not factoring me into any equation that he was, you know, running in his mind. And so I was, you know, we had this massive house, this life that we had built together and I was left steering the ship and I had no energy. I needed him. 
I was begging for my partner to be present with me. Mm-hmm. And I felt like in order for us to have any chance of any type of happiness, I needed to figure out what was going on. And for me, that began with figuring out how the finances were going to play into this. I knew that's what it was all about for him. And my emotions were so high and I was so in love with him. And I feel like as women, our brain works against us. We are biologically programmed through oxytocin and dopamine and this wonderful cocktail of love chemicals to stay bonded to these men that aren't good for us. And I had a really hard time coming to terms with like how my brain wanted me to behave, but then how I felt like I, I realized that his drinking was getting bad and he was getting physically abusive in addition to psychologically abusive. And I didn't have anywhere to turn. And so I felt like I wanted him to come back to me. But every time he did, it only led to me being in more pain. So. I have so many, so many things to ask you. So you were in this, uh, I know it was a 10 year marriage or about, right? Long, which is moderately long-term, you know, what do we have short-term, mid-term, long-term and madly in love with him and and realized that the, the marriage wasn't healthy for you. It was just um, uncomfortable, painful, and you were reaching out and asking, and I don't want to use the word begging. That's my word. You know, oh, I was begging. For begging. <laughs> that was my world. I need you home. Like I have, yeah. you know, I I remember those conversations too with this big house with three little kids, and I need you here to help me. And the beeper went off 24-7. I wish I was exaggerating. Um, I never knew when he was going to run out the door. I I wanted that husband that had the Monday through Friday nine to five job and like kind of played hooky Friday afternoons and came home early and, you know, put me on a pedestal and wanted to be with me more than the business and, and all those things. And this is many, many years ago, no fault. It is what it is, but that's what I, I, yeah, I was 23 when I got married and that's what I wanted. Mm-hmm. I had this fantasy that we were going to, you know, we'll have congruent goals and we were going to kind of grow together. And it was like, we're going to, you know, we wouldn't wait almost five years to have a baby in that five years. I was hoping that we would, you know, travel a lot and spend time together. And, you know, don't want this to be a nine hour podcast. She's, she's nodding. If you're watching the listening, (laughs) but you know, and then you have the first baby and the second baby and the third baby, and you kind of, you know, um, did my thing. He did his thing. We passed like ships in the night at holidays and all the events that we had to see each other on. And then by the time you said like, I don't even know you, um, you don't know me. And it was just not living congruent lives. So, but you have this special genius zone of the mathematician brain and you developed something called divorce analytics which is such a brainchild and such a genius. I don't have that gene, sweetie. So um, I'm pretty good at math, but let's just say my idea of a good time. So tell us about the birthing of divorce divorce analytics and what is it and how does it help people? Well, so as I was dealing with all of these really uncomfortable emotions and trying to reconcile like the state of my relationship and figure out how I was going to pull myself up, Mm -hmm. I 
you know, I wrote a financial report. I was so overwhelmed with Voldemort. And my dad, as I mentioned earlier, he had suffered a stroke and he was completely incapacitated. And he was always the 900 pound Russian gorilla in the room. And I never realized how much protection he afforded me until it was no longer there. And then I was left with this highly abusive man that had an anger and drinking problem. And I had no idea what to do. And I love my mom, but she's been in a happy marriage, you know, her entire life. And she knew nothing about this. And it was hard for me to talk to her. And so I just figured out that this was going to be really a financial transaction in nature. And um, I needed to put pen to paper and figure out what we were going to do with the house how much my post-divorce life was going to cost under different circumstances, like if I took the house or if he did. Or, um, but then I also wanted to start a business. And I was going through this process and I created a couple different proposal ideas and I backstopped everything with documentation. Um, Voldemort was a mechanical engineer. In fact, I had welcomed him into my family's engineering and manufacturing business, which um, made it even more important for me to resolve the conflict with him outside of the court system. Um, I knew that with his personality type, he was going to be uh, ready to go and was going to fight me if he got that opportunity. So I wanted to tap into that logical mathematical side of the brain that I saw my dad command with abandon ever since I was a kid. And I knew I could do it. And the way through that door was through math. And I simply sat there at the negotiation table, our, our kitchen table, and I passed him the report and I said, hey, you know, everything is backed up by our account statements. Please go through it with a fine tooth comb. But I have created three different ideas for us to pick from. Um, please let me know how you want to proceed. I shut up, which is sometimes the hardest thing to do. <laughs> and I just sat back and I watched. And within 20 minutes, he had selected option A. And it was, oh my gosh, Paula, it was still to this day, I can't believe how easy it was. I mean, this man and I could not agree on anything. And I was so scared of him. But I knew through psychological analysis how to motivate him. And by focusing on his post-divorce financial outcome, I was able to secure myself a settlement that was great. And gosh, it was so much easier than trying to negotiate through attorneys. And, you know, I think a lot of us forget one of our biggest skill sets is understanding how our husbands and partners work. We know their triggers. We know how they're going to approach us. So we can take all of that and comprise a divorce settlement idea that meets their needs and, and ours and kind of sneak under over the finish line with remarkable success and avoid all of the mistakes that traditional divorce and litigation entails. Brilliant. So, I mean, that's kind of the foundation of divorce analytics. And I am a big believer that divorce is really a four-step equation. You have the emotional and social component, and that is best dealt with with a divorce coach like Paulette. I mean, you can get somebody to recalibrate their mindset and to 
determine what their divorce goals are, which is going to help you really prepare for the financial phase. Um, the biggest document of your divorce is a financial affidavit. This is the disclosure that both sides must fill out. And in traditional divorce, this is where you spend a lot of time either not turning over documents or having your attorney delay. Avoid filling out documents. Yeah. yeah. And so when you either plan ahead and fill out the financial affidavit ahead of time, or you do it with your spouse, you are able to set yourself up for so much more success for when the legal phase, um, that's the final stage. Sure. And it really can be as easy as the filing. Um, but so many people, they forget the emotional and the financial phase of divorce and they skip straight to the legal phase. And then they're not getting the results they want because they're, they started at the wrong end. And you need to deal with the underlying emotions and the financial realities. Um, so many people will argue for the house, not actually taking the prior requisite of determining if they can qualify for the remortgage or the refinance of the mortgage without their spouse's income. Um, with rising interest rates, that's changed the game too. So I have seen people spend thousands and thousands of dollars arguing for an asset that they actually aren't able to hold at the end of the divorce. Okay. And, you know, they get the house and then they have to sell it. It's heartbreaking to see. And you need to understand what the financial realities are so you can set yourself up for success and use your divorce dollars wisely. Yeah. If you're driving, uh, you don't put, you know, don't try to remember this, but uh, it will be in the show notes. But Victoria recently created and released a nine part divorce planning kit. And for more information, it's found at divorceanalytics.com forward slash shop. Don't go writing that down right now. It'll be there. So <laughs> she is that, you know, little magical piece of the divorce process and her genius zone of having the brain she has, having the ability to analyze and create different scenarios to present in a case, um, as she said, you know, Shall we say A, B, and C? You can call them whatever you want. Um, red pill, blue pill, green pill, call, you know, you can name them whatever they are, different scenarios, different options. People like to know that they have options. And when it comes to the financial aspect, it's an essential element to all cases, whether you've been married two years or 20, uh, whether you have children or not. Uh, whether your case is uh, uncontested and amicable, or it is highly contentious and potentially going to trial, the finances are the finances are the finances. You know, it, yes, you can be creative with them and using her genius zone and helping that. Facts are facts. You know, you can't, the date of marriage is the date of marriage. How many children you have or how many children you have. There are certain parts of the divorce process that aren't going to change. You can't change the, you know, how long have you been married? You can't say, well, could we change that? No, you can't. And a lot of people don't realize that when you marry, you're ending, entering into a legal binding contract. This isn't just a party with a dress and a tuxedo. This, you know, we think it is, oh, it's all romance and the ring and the, the big wedding and all, or the small wedding, you know, whatever you choose to do personally, but it is a legal contract. So now that we have had a greater conversation about that, I do want to share because October is 
is right around the corner, and I'm not sure when this is airing, probably the first week in October, um, is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, also known as Intimate Partner Violence. Um, it used to just be called Domestic Violence. If you also hear it called Intimate Partner, it's the same thing. Um, we always come up with new acronyms just to kind of, I don't know, befuddle our minds. But October is the month. And Victoria and I met through an amazing organization that Beverly Price and Susan Guthrie and Kate Anthony spearheaded the three of them. Beverly was the brainchild, brought us all together. I hear there are 45 members now. And I think 10 of us in the advisory kind of, um, I don't know, role to create this and spread it. All of us are bloggers, podcasters, influencers, speakers, keynote, speak, you know, people that get out there and teach and educate and are not afraid to um, spread the, the word. So we met through this brilliant organization called the Divorce Coalition. And if you haven't heard of it yet, this is what you need to write down, www.divorcecoalition.com. We are a powerhouse group of divorce experts, speakers, educators, bloggers, podcasters, uh, people that are really in this field as a profession. And we are here to uh, shine a light, a laser light on domestic violence. It is um, an honor to have you be a member and, uh, you know, it's, it's, I, you know, the, the, the people in this group really do astound me at the, um, the, if you don't, if you need an expert in divorce, you look no further. Everybody is a little different. We all have, I don't have the expertise Victoria has. It's not my idea of a good time. I, it, I, I mean, I could put together a, a, a guesstimate of what I think a financial uh, arrangement could look like. And mediation is different. There's usually attorneys there and other experts. And I always bring in CDFAs like herself. But working with somebody independently and really getting your um, wisdom and education prior to all that is highly recommended. So... That is my spiel for Divorce Coalition. What do you have to add to that? I'm sure you've had your own experience. Well, it's truly amazing to see how powerful we are when we ask for help. And I think as women, especially, we are taught to really sit down in the corner and to put a smile on our face and to grin and bear it. Mm -hmm. And in the wrong situation, that can be deadly. And so many of us don't realize what red flags lead to. I didn't. I had rose-colored glasses on and I saw every red flag as a white one um, encouraging me to continue the relationship. It wasn't until things got bad that I started to understand, well, you know, some of these behaviors are going to be detrimental to my outcome or to my life. And it's going to prevent me from really growing and to be able to be the person I want to be. Um, and it can feel so isolating when you start to realize that you're in a, a bad situation and the hardest thing can be to ask for help. Um, we are so conditioned to try to manage everything inside and in actuality, we need to ask someone who's been there and done it. And unfortunately I have a lot of experience in high conflict and toxic family systems 
And the one thing I would always encourage you to do is to reach out sooner than later. You don't realize how many people are going to stand up for you and you just need to take the first step. So I love what you just said. I just want to have that as a little bit of a takeaway of how, when we're in a relationship and it doesn't just have to be marriage, you mentioned family dynamics where you are so used to something, it becomes the norm. And those little red flags, which are usually tiny, like the kind you see on a cupcake, you know, they're not those massive ones you see at a marching band at a football game. They're those tiny little flags and you make, you're like, oh, is that really a problem? I don't know, maybe I'm making a mountain out of a molehill. Am I really seeing what I'm seeing or am I just being difficult? Am I being judgmental? And seeing those red flags and seeing them as white flags, which is the, you know, keep going, great merit, it's not that bad. Be a trooper. That was my one of my mother's favorite sayings, be a trooper. And that's a dance thing too. You know, um, you were a ballerina, never let them see you sweat. The show must go on, you know? I mean, you put your hair in a bun and put that tutu on and it doesn't matter if your feet are bleeding. You just get out there and do it, right? So we don't want that to be your marriage. We don't want that to be your life. If you've been a ballerina, I can't change the dance industry. It is what it is. Yes, there's a little blood, sweat, and tears, right? But not your relationship. So don't keep the red flag and turn it into a white one. Um, what is the best way for people to learn more about you, to connect with you, follow you, and work with you? I'm so honored to um, have this collaboration. Oh, it's been wonderful. Um, I think the best way to get a hold of me is through my website, which is www.divorceanalytics.com. I offer free 30-minute consultations. Um, my goal is really to help you figure out what your next step is, whether that's to work with me or to work with someone else. I want to help you figure out how to get this ship started. Um, I could have benefited so much from just a brief phone call from somebody that had been there and done it when I was facing my situation with Voldemort. And if I can be that for you, like, I'd be happy to do so. Um, you can also follow us uh, at the um, Divorce Analytics Instagram page, which is at Divorce Analytics. Um, and I'm pretty heavily um, followed on LinkedIn as well. So I try to do my best to answer every email individually. And my job is um, my life's work. And I'm just happy to be here. And can you work with clients in all 50 states? Absolutely. I have, um, Finance is the same regardless of the state that you're in. Um, because yeah. some people have this idea that, you know, because attorneys, remember everybody, are location centric, right? Mm -hmm. County, state, zip code. They have their, their little like realtors do too and lenders. So there are some, you know, professions that can only work in certain areas and other professions that can work regardless. I also help people in Canada and uh, South America and the UK. So regardless, um, whether you're mediating or coaching and divorce right, we work with companies all over the world. So um, no further ado, thank you for that. There is um, a mission we're on to help 
build awareness of domestic violence. And remember, there are many different types of abuse and violence. It isn't just physical and sexual. There's psychological, mental, emotional, financial, and spiritual. So for definition of domestic violence, do look it up and come to divorcecoalition.com for more data. Thank you, Beverly, for creating the organization. We are on a mission to grow. Thank you, everyone, for tuning into Better Divorce Podcast. And follow, reach out, love you. My retreat, May 4th to the 10th. I only have three spots left. There are 16 total, so 13 divine women. It's after the narcissist.com. I know, I just, I know it's one of those titles. You either love it or hate it, but after the narcissist.com. So I'll see you soon. And thank you, Victoria, everybody. Just here's to a better divorce. Till next time. Thanks for joining me today. If you were inspired by today's episode, please share it with a friend or a loved one. My hope is you feel empowered to take some action, no matter how big or small. Action that allows you to step out of the chaos and thrive on your own terms. If this podcast added any value to your day, please review it on iTunes, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Until next time. Keep thriving in the chaos.